Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate the opportunity to give an account for the hope that lies within me this morning. And uh, if y'all wouldn't mind, let's begin in prayer. Father, I'm reminded this morning of the scripture that says, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so my soul panteth after thee. Lord, I thank you for the sweet, sweet spirit that's in this place this morning. I pray that we might have that thirsting in our souls this morning to receive a word from you. I thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would yield that sword this morning to speak to us in ways that bring life to each of our hearts and souls. We confess our our need for you, Jesus, above anything else in the world. Apart from you, Jesus, we are lost. We are blind. We're dead. But I thank you. You've spoken words of life to us and you've empowered them by your spirit. And raised us from the dead just as you raised yourself to newness of life. I pray that your word would go forth this morning full of power, full of conviction, full of the Holy Ghost to the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on it being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. As you no doubt recognize, those are the opening words of chapter one of A Tale of Two Cities written by Charles Dickens and first published in 1859. There are no doubt elements of Dickens' famous opening lines that seem familiar to us today, that contrast between light and darkness. Best of times, worst of times. There are no doubt elements of those famous lines that seem very familiar to us today. We live in the most technologically advanced society the world has ever known. We benefit from medical and scientific breakthroughs and realities that our ancestors would have considered the imaginings of Jules Verne type science fiction if they could fathom the possibilities at all. We can travel around the world today, not in the idolized 80 days that Jules Verne wrote about, but in hours. The current record for flying 
around the world was set by Steve Fawcett in the Virgin Atlantic-backed Global Flyer in 2005. He did it in just over 67 hours. The commercial aircraft, the Concorde, with stops, accomplished this in 31 hours, 27 minutes, and 49 seconds. A feat that the pilgrims that landed in Cape Cod could surely not have imagined just 400 years ago. Their Mayflower voyage lasted about 10 weeks, and 45 of the 102 passengers didn't survive the voyage. With all these advances in education and science and technology, understanding, where are we today? This past Monday, the majority leader of the U.S. Senate pushed forward a vote to codify legal access to an abortion up to the full term of a pregnancy or just prior to live birth. Can you imagine anything more barbaric in an enlightened society than killing a living human being in his or her mother's womb? And ironically, this vote took place the day after Mother's Day. 49 Democrats voted for its passage. 50 Republicans and one Democrat voted against it. At the same time that we have made remarkable strides in medicine to cure and prolong life, we promote other ways to snuff it out. Amazing technologies that enable us to communicate around the world instantly and gaze deep into the cosmos to see for the very first time a black hole in our own universe. Those technologies are also redirected to remotely control weapons with pinpoint precision to kill innocent women, children, and men in Ukraine and in other hot spots around the world. With the growing pressure of living in this modern world, people explode with rage in families, neighborhoods, and on our streets with gun violence. And the lack of a moral core and an understanding of a loving God that finds many of our citizens lying, stealing, and senselessly murdering one another. A sense of safety and sanity, at least normalcy, eludes us. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. As followers of Christ, we are to be agents of change, working in the worst situations to bring about the best results. Working in the midst of the foolishness of the lost to represent the life lived in the wisdom of God. In the midst of an unwillingness to believe, we're to portray faith and faithfulness in a God who hears and sees and knows and understands us before we even call on him. In a season of darkness, we're to radiate the light of the light of life, who is Christ our Lord. This is our purpose. It's why Christ tarries. 
that they might hear the gospel that Christ has come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10 When we prepare a message up here and share it with one another, the truth of Scripture, we share Scripture concerning the character and the person of Jesus, we're pursuing answers to know how we're to live godly lives in an ungodly world in the best and worst of times. The goal of our fellowship this morning is to pray, to encourage, to push and prod one another towards Christ's likeness, that we might have the same mind, the same purpose, the same love and the same goal, that Christ might be glorified in us and that others might be drawn to him by the light they see in us because of our love for one another. A verse that I've focused on in the past few messages I've given is this. I hope you're not getting tired of hearing it. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. This is our hope in Christ, that believing in him, he has saved us from ourselves, from our sin, redeemed and purchased us to himself and will return to take us to be with him for all eternity. And in being with him, we will be like him as he will transform our current bodies in their humble state into conformity with his glory, his image. And he will accomplish this by exerting the power that he has to subject all things to himself. This is the God we serve. He is righteous. He is gracious. He is powerful. And he is able. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one true God. And all that is over our heads is already under his feet. In the previous chapter of Philippians 2, or Philippians in chapter 2, Paul says this. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, 
of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We who believe in Christ have bowed before him and confessed with our mouths that he is Lord. And in doing so, we found the light of life and have received a foretaste of that abundance that is yet to come. Perhaps you've heard the quote often attributed to Blaise Pascal that said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Pascal was a 17th century mathematician, scientist, inventor, philosopher, uh, writer, and a Catholic theologian of the Jansenist movement. There's been some discussion that Pascal never said the God-shaped vacuum quote, but rather said this, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he can cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Now, I like the imagery of a God-shaped vacuum in describing our incompleteness as created beings apart from our creator. But I find the second quote attributed to Pascal even more compelling in regard to our infinite abyss being filled by God himself. Our God is not demanded fealty or else. Rather, he said in Isaiah 1, 18 through 20, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Jesus became a man to endure every temptation, every trial that any man would ever encounter. And he did so without sin. And thus he was the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is fully God and fully man. He was crucified, dead and buried. He arose again from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. He ascended to the right hand of the father and we are seated with him in heavenly places where he ever makes intercession to the Father on our behalf. To know Christ is the best of times, no matter what the circumstances, trials, or tribulations that accompany the journey that he walks us through. May we seek to serve those around us who are living through the worst of times, whether by conscious sin or painful circumstances, who need to know the tender care and mercy of a loving Father the grace of a faithful Savior Son, and the comfort of an abiding Spirit. As the world around us fails further into the abyss, we have the opportunity to be the light set on a hill as we have the same mind, maintaining the same love, 
united in spirit, intent on one purpose, focused on the interests and needs of others in the name of Jesus to the glory of the Father. Jesus is our example in all things. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. He laid down his life of his own volition, his own choosing. And he raised himself from the dead by the power and authority that he has even to subject all things to himself. And the Father exalted him. No doubt there are some difficult times ahead of us, but our confidence is in God. It's not in ourselves. It's not in what we own. It's not in what we do. Uh, it's not in our abilities. Our confidence is in God. He is our shepherd. We are the sheep of His pasture. He is our refuge and strength. He is our shield, our bulwark, our defense. He is our ever-present help in time of need. I want to close this morning with the encouraging words of Psalms 46 and 47 that speaks about God is the refuge of His people and He's the King of the earth. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Psalm 47. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with the voice of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us, the glory of Jacob whom he loves. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For, the God, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Let's pray.
Father God, we have so much to be thankful for because we know Christ. Knowing Christ, it's the best of times, no matter what anything else looks like, no matter the circumstances. Having relationship with you, Lord Jesus, is everything. Everything. I thank you, Jesus, that you came, (laughs) endured the cross, despising the shame. You knew it was ahead of you and you endured it on our behalf. You who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in you. What a glorious gospel. I thank you, God, that in difficult times, the world is upside down. Um, The war in Ukraine, the needless loss of life. The insanity of abortion. So many things are so messed up. And we look at these things, Lord, and we lose hope. That's why this morning, Lord, we reaffirm our focus on you. You are our hope. You are living hope, a risen hope. I thank you that heaven is our home. And that we eagerly await your return. Help us, Lord, though, to have a focus on the opportunities each of us has to be light in darkness, to be hope in the midst of hopelessness. Help us, Lord, to not fall in the trap of just being concerned with our own needs, but rather to be as Jesus, concerned about emptying ourselves for the needs of others. You've placed each of us in a unique place to meet a need that only you in us could meet. I pray for sensitivity this week that we would know those places where we can sow the Word, we can speak life, we can be light. So Lord, we just love You this morning. We thank You for showing Yourself to us, revealing Yourself and calling us by name. We ask that the things we do, even the things we think, would be pleasing to You. That You would use our lives and be glorified in us until You choose to take us home. Thank You that You are loving and faithful. Amazing God. We sing Your praises. We shout unto God with a voice of joy because of Your goodness to us. We give You thanks in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Confidence in God.